is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 476, recorded on Thursday, March the 19th, 2020. Welcome to the program, everyone. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing okay, as well as can be expected, I think is the, uh, the Canadian phrase. As well as can be expected. And is that because the world is going <laughs> a little funny lately? Well, things are different. I can, uh, I, I can say that. Yeah, things sure are different. Of course, we are in the middle of this whole coronavirus outbreak. It is taking the world by storm in all the wrong ways. People are yep. stuck at homes, at home, and including you and I. Um, and not, well, they should be. Yes, of course. Well, they should be. We don't want. You've to. seen the simulations online, right? Of uh, how uh, this kind of thing propagates under different circumstances, and the uh, the social distancing and self isolating helps a hell of a lot in those models. So uh, keep it up, Chris. Yeah, and everybody. Well, just really quickly, um, I'm home now. I was in Florida a couple of days ago. We were on vacation, as many listeners know. We ended up leaving Florida early and driving like maniacs to get back to Canada, partly because we felt the need to get home. We didn't really know where things were going, but also that was the recommendation from the Canadian government. Now, we were lucky because we had a car. We weren't at the mercy of flights that were being canceled or changed or you know, shut down altogether. So we, we could always drive ourselves home, but you know, lots of people out there didn't have that luxury and had to scramble to get home. Um, and, and hopefully they have anyways, we're back now, but the recommendation is to, because we traveled in a foreign country to stay home and isolate ourselves for two weeks. So me and the girls and the wife are in the house for at least two weeks and hopefully we're all healthy and no one's getting sick, but in any case, we're here. Also, nobody's really going to work, so you're at home, Jason, with yep. your whole family, which is unusual, and hopefully dealing with it okay. Yeah. I mean, I usually work from home, uh, you know, pretty standard, unless I'm traveling, and I'm sure as hell not traveling. So I'm from I'm working from home. My wife's working from home. My son is getting daycare from home now instead of going to daycare proper, and uh, it's a bit of a challenge. You know, trying to, uh, for two people to work full-time jobs and take care of a three-year-old who uh, really gets bored with TV uh, lately, which really sucks because it would be nice if I could just plunk him down and, uh, you know, force him to watch seven movies in a row. Well, but at the same time, you don't really want to do that if you can avoid it. But I understand what, you're in a yeah. predicament, right? Yeah. So he's, you know, he requires constant attention. So we have to spell each other off, which makes for long hours. Uh, you know, I still have my job to do, so I've got to do my job and that takes a certain number of hours a day, regardless of whether I'm spending some of them doing daycare. So, uh, yeah, it's challenge, but good. And I'm glad to be home. I'm glad I'm not anywhere else. That's for sure. Yeah. I was, I was stressed out that you were, uh, you were out of the country. I was, I was a little stressed. I was uh, like, man, that, that fucking guy should come home. And he did. So <laughs> I'm happy. And we did. Yeah. So I don't want to take too long talking about this, but basically what happened is we were down in Florida, as I said, and we were in a little place called Indian Rocks Beach on the Gulf Coast, just outside of St. Petersburg. And down there, at least when we were there, things didn't seem that different. Like 
people were all out at restaurants, the beaches were packed, there were folks around, you know, but we were hearing stories from home about, you know, everybody staying inside, everything is closed, nobody's going to work, this is a real, real crisis. And it took us an extra day or two to kind of realize that, I think. Once we did, we, we got in the car, drove from the beach in Florida all the way to Toronto in two days. The first day of driving was nearly 14 hours on the road. And, and then we slept overnight. And the second day was um, from Princeton, West Virginia to Toronto. And that was pretty long itself, almost, you know, almost 10 hours. So um, we made it though, and, and we're here now. And I think it was interesting because we left Florida, as I said, and people were seemed to be, to be just going about their regular life, daily business. And the farther north we got, the more stuff was closed, not operating. Like through Virginia, West Virginia, all the highway road stops or uh, rest stops were closed. And, you know, the, the fast food places in Florida seemed to be operating normally. And then up north, it was takeout only or drive through only or whatever. And the farther yeah. north we got, the more things were closed. So it was kind of an interesting experience two days on the road. But um, at the end of the day, I can't say it really ruined the vacation we got to do more or less what we planned to, and then just had to come home four days early, five days early, yeah. something like that. Well, uh, and here things are closing down and shutting down. Uh, but as long as the Tim Hortons drive through stays open and the grocery stores still have food, which they do, then I'm happy. Yeah. I feel like that has settled down a little bit here. Again, people were telling us, you know, grocery store shelves are empty, uh, huge lineups, people over buying everything. And I'm sure that was happening, but when we finally got back and I was able to get into a grocery store to buy some supplies, cause of course the food, I mean, the house was, was empty with, of food because we were supposed yeah. to be away for two weeks. When I got there yesterday, um, there were some empty shelves, but more or less I got what we needed and it didn't seem yeah. that busy in there. So I think that's kind of settled down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, last Friday, people freaked out a little bit once they shut down all the schools. Right. right? There's like, holy shit. And uh, they freaked out. So the week, over the weekend, it was pretty crazy. Uh, and then, you know, early this week, Monday, Tuesday, it was, uh, it was kind of freaky going to the grocery store, but now things have normalized a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's good. And, you know, everybody just needs to take a deep breath. Don't freak out. We still have supply lines. Everything's yep. good. And, and do your part. Like you, the yeah. whole point here is to, is to prevent the spread of this to people that it's going to affect in a much worse way than you potentially. Right. And that's, that's all it comes down to. Uh, so just do what you need to do for the next little while. And hopefully we can get all through this with the least amount of catastrophe and everybody ending up healthy and happy. Yep. So anyways, that's that. Um, Hopefully. Now let's talk about a TV show. Yeah. Now let's talk <laughs> about a TV show. The first, although I did want to mention though. <laughs> that, uh, that's about the end of the world? Yeah, that's Is that right. the TV show we're yeah. going to talk about? <laughs> well, oh, okay. some, somebody said to me the other day that clearly the apocalypse is upon us, but you've been studying the apocalypse for 10 years. So clearly you know exactly <laughs> what you're going to do, right? I'm like, well, hopefully we don't have to find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't have to put any of this information into practice. No, I hope not. Well, before we start talking about this week's episode of The Walking Dead, I wanted, in the spirit of everyone being at home or stuck in their houses and not really leaving very much recently, or 
you know, around now is to wish everyone an international read to me day, a happy oh, international nice. read to me day. That's annually on March 19th. It's also the first day of spring today, but I figured everybody, oh, yeah. everybody knows that. But if you're stuck in your homes and you need to do something, read to your kids, read to your spouse, have someone read to you. It could be very, you know, very fun and nice and uh, something to pass the time. I read four stories to my son before per bed. Perfect. Yeah. See, international read to me day. Every day, every year on March 19th. All right, uh, Jason, why don't we get into our recap of season 10, episode 12 of The Walking Dead? Yes, sir. I don't have a title read, so the title, I will do the read. It's Walk With Us. Nice. Walk With Us. Walk With Us. That's right. There you go. So if you remember, last week's episode ended uh, with the sort of middle or little cliffhanger in the middle of the battle for Hilltop. We had... Uh, Daryl and crew trapped between oncoming flaming zombies and flaming hilltop between a fire and a fireplace. And we pick up this episode right where that left off. Um, and the camera pans up the burning wall. It starts to show Carol on top shooting arrows. Uh, we see lots of walkers on fire. And the group who were trapped there decide to begin fighting back. And we see the, uh, in the background of, uh, that shot of Carol, uh, all of Hilltop is on fire. Yes. Like, the, the main building is on fire. All the, uh, the sub buildings are on fire. Everything's on fire. There's no coming back from this. Hilltop is burning yeah. down basically. Yeah. So yeah, this was, uh, you know, their opportunity to get rid of a set <laughs> by burning it down. I guess is, so. Which they do sometimes. That's what they do. That's right. Um, we see the catapults firing also, which is cool. I don't think we'd really seen them before, had we? These makeshift nope. catapults? We hadn't, and we didn't really get a... Uh, uh, I didn't really see what they were shooting. Like, what were they catapulting? Like what um, payload they were catapulting? Yeah. No, I wasn't sure is either. Is it just rocks? I think so. Just rocks out to try and t take out anybody they land on outside the walls? I would think chains, you know, just to, to tie mm. up. The, uh, the, the zombies, like you put, uh, like a, a bolo or whatever, you take a piece of rope and you put two balls on the end and have that fling over and tangle up, tangle up their legs or limbs or whatever, mm. and just slow them down. Good idea, I suppose. I mean, big rocks. Flatten the curve, as it were, so <laughs> that, uh, they don't come in all at once. They come in slowly over time. I mean, I guess big rocks. Yeah, new words in our lexicon, new concepts that we can all tie into our regular everyday lives. That we can just all use. That's right. Um, I was going to say big rocks would... I mean, I guess would just flatten some straight out, but uh, maybe you could slow down more with these big balls yeah. with ropes. Well, catapults. I mean, they're they're uh, they're meant to take take down walls, right? Against a hardened target. They're not right. anti personnel weapons, so yeah, yeah. that's why I was wondering what they were shooting. If they're shooting just shooting rocks, you know, why not just throw rocks over the wall, right? Like, why bother with the catapults? But if they're shooting something specific that's designed for uh, slowing down personnel or killing personnel, yeah, uh, then, yeah, that makes sense. But catapults are not the best thing for that because an indirect weapon for anti-personnel is, is kind of odd. Right. It's usually anti-equipment uh, or, uh, you know, entrenched positions. Right, right. You roll a catapult up outside of a castle and start knocking down the castle walls with, with it. Yeah. You pour pitch over the walls to burn all the invaders, but you know, the walls are already on fire, so fuck it. <laughs> yeah, and apparently a lot of the zombies are on fire too, because we got a lot of good like flaming zombie shots during this whole battle. Um, but anyways, what the group 
that's stuck down there ends up doing is they what they're trying to do is kill walkers at the gate to clog up the gate and slow them down from entering. And okay. it slowly starts to work. How'd they get in? Like we were, at the end of the last episode was them being blocked, not being able to get into the hilltop uh, where they were retreating to. Now all of a sudden they're inside the walls. Were what they, happened? Were they not inside or were they between the, the wall and the main hilltop building? No, they were outside yeah, the walls. I think like you're they, right. They stopped right at the gate and they're like, oh shit, now they're going, all the walls are on fire. Uh, and, uh, so I had to get in. I just, I, we may have glossed over something that, uh, that may have been important. Okay. You're right. I feel like we may have glossed over that. We yada yada that little bit there. Um, I'm going to assume though, they just ran through as fast as they could with the intention of turning around and trying to block block the entrance a little bit if they could. They figure they have to funnel through there, so why not try to take that yeah. away? They, they should have started here. Doing that, right. Yeah. <laughs> not with everything on fire, but you know that would have happened anyway. Yes, it would have anyways. Well, during the battle, though, we get a quick scene where um, Mary tells uh, Lydia not to go outside because Alpha, you know, will want her, so she can't, you know, make herself available to Alpha. And then we see Ezekiel fleeing with the kids, as he promised to do, um, but he realizes that Judith isn't with them, and we get a shot of her fighting off some zombies and some whisperers, and she stabs one in the gut who goes down, turns out it's a whisperer, and he starts begging for his life, but then he dies before she has to kill him, and Earl grabs her and, and they run off. But it was an important scene for, for Judith there because she realizes she killed a living human being. Yep, killed her first human. Her first human, yeah. So everybody keeps fighting. Uh, Eugene notices that his radio tower is on fire, so he's upset about that. And um, they, the zombies do appear to be stuck behind the wall of bodies, at least for a moment. So their plan kind of was working, at least to slow them down. Well, cause, uh, you know, we talked, we've talked, uh, about zombies having re residual memories from their lives and being able to do things that uh, they would do, uh, they would have done in their previous lives, but yep. very few people have experience walking over a wall of bodies. Right. And hopefully, you know, never again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So, uh, I'm not surprised that they got stuck. They got stuck at I least for a short time. Yeah. Yeah. If they can't climb a car, they can't climb a wall of bodies. Yeah. Because I at least point. have some experience climbing a car. It's been a while. <laughs> but not but a I've wall done of bodies. It. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Never a wall of bodies. Good, good. Well, at this point, everything sort of starts exploding. Uh, you know, everyone falls back a little bit. And Yumiko gets eyes on Magna in the horde. And she's covered in the Gormaflage. Yeah. Smart. Uh, yeah. We get a shot of Carol up on the wall. She seems to, the look on her face anyways, makes me think she's realizing that this battle is lost and we go to the opening credits. Mm -hmm. Now, Bill in New Jersey wrote, Judith realizing that she has just killed a person and then my jaw just hit the floor seeing Walker Magna. That was his two uh, holy crap moments from this. Nice. And uh, Bill actually wrote in later, moments later, to say... Oh, they fooled me. It wasn't Walker Magna. It was live living Magna. Um, but do you think they were trying to make us think she was a zombie at that point? Um, I think they were trying to offer confusion, mm -hmm. but 
I personally knew that she wasn't dead. Yeah, I don't think she looked all that undead to me. I think she just looked like Magna covered in blood. Yeah, because we know that uh, as soon as you turn into a zombie, you get eyebrow ridges. Do you remember what happened to Shane in season one? Uh-huh. Uh, he, as soon as he died, he immediately got these huge eyebrow ridges. Yeah. Uh, and so you start, you know, getting growths. Yeah. Uh, when you turn into a zombie. So that's how I knew she wasn't a zombie. She didn't have uh, uh, that, you know, those facial, facial features of sure. being a, a walking dead. Yeah. She, she didn't have the ridges. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to play a call from Anwen here. And she actually sent this in about last week's episode, but I think it kind of applies. So here's Anwen. Holy crap, you guys. Did you see the characters completely ignore all of Jason's advice for the last 10 years and set up their defense outside their main fortification I could not believe it I sat there and said out loud oh my god Jason is going to be so pissed off with these guys on the other hand amazing work from the directors this was probably the best shot nighttime battle scene I have ever seen in any TV show or movie in terms of what you were actually able to see you could see everything that was happening you could see all of the action all of the characters all of the moves it was fantastic so number one, obviously, Anwen agrees with you about setting sure. up outside the walls, which I think is hilarious. How could you not agree with me? No, of course. I mean, honestly. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, but then the other thing is she mentioned that about how good this nighttime battle scene was. And I just want to 100% agree with her because this, honestly, I thought was one of the best big, large-scale battle scenes The Walking Dead has ever done. I it think, was, it was, it was pretty good. You know, it was nighttime, but it was clear what was going on. Obviously the fire provides a lot of light, but I never felt confused. It, it didn't feel like they were trying to, um, hide things, uh, in the darkness. They were just trying, it was just, it just all looked so good. And I, there was pretty good tension, some really great kills. I liked the use of slow motion. I actually felt nervous for all these characters or, or at least a little bit tense, uh, you know, not knowing what was going to happen. So I think everything about this scene was great. It's kind of too bad it was split over two episodes, but I got to admit, even that didn't bother me that much because there was a perfect cliffhanger in the middle. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really glad we haven't mentioned it yet, but I'm really glad we didn't cut to underground bullshit, uh, or, uh, uh, you know, uh, Michonne stuff. Like I didn't, I'm glad we didn't skip an episode or two before coming back to this, uh, uh, this battle scene. Yeah. I just get right to it. I know you talked last week about them probably doing that kind of thing, but this just works better, uh, for everybody yeah. involved. I think it, it provides the, the, it just provides the relief you need after seeing the first half of something and you get the, the closure to it. So yeah. I just love everything about it. Directed by Greg Nicotero as well. Oh, this week's. This episode, yeah. Oh, good job, Greg. <laughs> um, anyways, I think it was a great battle scene, and uh, hopefully The Walking Dead can keep up things like this. Yeah. All right. So Except for the explosions. I don't know what was exploding, but there was a lot of explosions. Propane tanks, obviously. Well, they should really stockpile those in a safer location than spreading them all over the place to blow up in a fire. Well, but then they all blow up at the same time, and it causes a much bigger explosion. Okay, we've stored them in a bunker. I don't care. But it just, there was a lot of shit exploding. 
for unknown reasons. There was. I thought that too, to be honest with you. I mean, what what is exploding, right? Like drama. Drama is is, is exploding. The drama uh, is exploding. Yeah, there was uh, concentrations of drama. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> drama causes loud, bright explosions, don't you know? So. Yeah, with no shockwaves, right? No uh, drama. There's down. never. A, yeah, there's never a shockwave from a drama explosion. Right. No. Propane. Yeah. Shrapnel. Yeah. Uh, you know, from propane tanks and such, uh, you know, cars and stuff, they all have shockwaves, uh, C4, definitely dynamite. Definitely. I mean, that's the whole reason they d- d- invented dynamite, uh-huh. uh, was for that shockwave. But, uh, yeah, drama, when that explodes, no shockwaves, it's nope. just fire. It's just a big fireball. Just looks good. Yep. All right. Well, after the opening credits, we come back and we have Negan walking through the fields of the dead, I guess. He, he Lucille's somebody in the head, a living Lucille guy. Lucille 2. Lucille 2, right, right. He, uh, he knocks that guy out while he kills him. And Alpha scolds him for killing the person because they're trying to make zombies to replenish the herd, not put people out of their misery. Right. And Alpha says that it isn't a victory because she doesn't have everything she wants, which is, of course, Lydia. And then Beta comes up and says he'll bring Lydia home and instructs Negan to go gather some walkers. I wouldn't count out a victory just because you didn't achieve all of your goals. Well, this I is, would, you know, this that, is alpha. She's all or nothing kind of person. Yeah. It's a failure unless you get everything you want, just the way you want it, uh, in the exact time frame that you want it. Mm-hmm. No people like that. Those people annoy me. Yeah. Well, there's lots of people like that. <laughs> uh, now Sergio on Facebook sent me a message and he said, holy crap, did anyone notice the quote unquote Joker smile on Negan's mask? Pretty creepy. And I went back and checked this and indeed Negan's whisperer mask has kind of like drawn Joker smiles off the edges of the mouth. And I thought that was awesome and a nice touch. I didn't notice that. Let me, oh, look at that. But they're there, aren't they? Nice. That's good stuff. I appreciate that, Sergio. That's a great one, actually. Yeah. So uh, anyways, Negan goes into the forest. He tries to herd a zombie, but the zombie's not cooperating, and he quickly gets frustrated and send, so kills it instead, of course. That, I didn't get that impression. What? I got the impression that he was trying to provoke the zombies so that he could kill it, and then it wouldn't provoke enough. It would just kept walking around him. So he said, fuck it and killed it. No, no, no. He's trying to get the zombie to follow him. He's trying to herd them like what basically he's told Beta he was going to do, but the zombie just keeps wandering off the other direction. And Negan sort of shakes his arms up in the air and goes out, oh, whatever, and decides to kill the thing. Well, he keeps walking towards it and then it keeps walking past him. It's not like he's turning around and having it follow him. He keeps, uh, Standing at, you know, he stands there, the zombie turns around and walks towards him. He doesn't turn around to walk away. He just waits there for it to come right at him and doesn't. So he. Maybe Negan's bad at this, but I think the idea was he was trying to corral that zombie to come with him. Yeah. I I don't think I agree with that. I think he was, he was like, he had no intention of uh, corralling it because when Beta told him to go and herd, you know, go and, uh, you know, what did he, what did he say? Gather? Maybe. Anyway, whatever it was, Negan was like, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. Well, I know. He didn't kill that other other guy. uh, And then uh, accidentally when he said, oh, I'm sorry. It's like, no, he knew exactly what he was doing. He's not an idiot. He's killing zombies or making less zombies either way. Yeah. Because that's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to, he's not buying into this. I knew he was not buying into this right from these two shots. 
I guess, but I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I figured his intention was to actually go out and try to do this, but, uh, but it just wasn't working or Negan gets sort of bored or frustrated with it very quickly. Right. And then he just kills the thing. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that. Okay. In any case, he sees Lydia limping away into the forest and decides to follow her because that's uh, much more important at this moment. Yeah. Right. Uh, we go over to Aaron and he's dragging Luke on a sheet of metal uh, who's unconscious. He sees Negan in the forest right in front of him, just appears in front of him. Aaron draws his sword, approaches Negan to kill him, but zombies are approaching from all sides now. And Aaron has to deal with that instead of, you know, taking out Negan uh, or they're going to, you know, eat him and eat Luke, who's unconscious on this piece of metal. And so Negan escapes. Yep. Uh, Which is I thought was funny because uh, Negan actually, in this case, used some zombies as a defense. He did. He just stood there and let them walk past him because he knew they wouldn't go after him. That's right. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. Very clever. Uh, we see Lydia in the forest. Negan, with no mask on now, approaches her. She takes a swing at him, but he grabs her, sort of subdues her, and we go to a commercial break. So Negan has Lydia now. Did you, at this point, did you think that he was going to bring her to Alpha? I did. I thought this was what, well, we know this is what Alpha wants. We don't know Negan's true intentions, and so I thought he was going to get her. And actually just bring her back. I thought he was going to bring her back, yeah. Yeah, I didn't believe that for a second. Because I, I had the two previous, uh, well, three now, because when he was talking to uh, to Aaron, he said, whoa, 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 I can explain kind of thing, he, right? He did, yeah. So I, you know, those three events in my mind tied, you know, uh, you know, to plot a graph, you need three points. You know, one point, you can't obviously plot a graph, two points, you know, you're, you're looking at your margin of error, but three points, you have enough data to plot a graph. So those three data points for me pointed towards, uh, ultimately this, the way this episode goes. Uh, so I knew from those three points what Negan was doing. Well, you're pretty smart to pick up on that because it's, it sounds obvious now upon second watch. And like when Negan says to Aaron, yeah, yeah, hold on, hold on. I can explain like. To me, that doesn't, like, that didn't really mean anything too significant the first time I watched it, but obviously it is. And yeah. the second time I watched it was pretty meaningful. But, you know, the, the interpretation of the other stuff with Negan just before this maybe helped you a little bit, but I think your interpretation is way different than most other people's. Well, you know, I don't see the world the same way. No. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm not like other boys. I've said that my <laughs> whole life. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then uh, Lydia, when she, <laughs> this is actually the, the first of two uh, points, but she got surprised by Negan because she was looking at the sky for some reason. Like, why was she looking up? Um, well, I don't know. I think she was just taking a moment to take a deep breath and figure out what to do next. Okay. Well, this happens again in this episode. It does happen again. I know. <laughs> so anyway, I thought just like, why is she looking up? Like, you know. Keep your head on a swivel. Don't just like, was she trying to figure out where she was maybe? Maybe. By looking at the sky? I'm, I'm not sure exactly how that would help her. It's like, it's all blue. Uh, well, she needs to figure out what direction to go because they're supposed to meet at some sort of 
checkpoint, right? Or a rendezvous point. So she yeah. needs to figure out north, south, east, west, know where to go. Okay, well, look at the sky. It'll tell you. It wouldn't tell me. It might tell her. Well, you, you figure out where the sun is, and then you know if it's coming up, it's east. If it's going down, it's west. And then you can figure out everything else. Yeah, but in the middle of the day, I'm generally screwed. If I don't know where I am and I'm a little bit lost and I look at the sky and I see the sun, I'm like, I, I don't know what time it is. No, of course, you have to wait and see where the sun goes a little bit, but we're not going to sit and watch her do that for the entirety of an episode. But I think that's probably what she was doing. Okay. Well, if she's doing it and it works for her, she's better at it than I would, I am or would be because I would not, that would not help me. It would if you stood there for an hour and watched the sun move. <laughs> You'd think. <laughs> yes. I've, I've been lost in the woods. That didn't help me. Okay. Well. But granted, I was, I was probably grade two, so. Yeah, that's a little young to be lost in the woods. Yeah, it was only like, you know, 10 acres of woods and we got lost for like hours. We kept walking around in circles, apparently. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that's what humans do, apparently. Okay. Well, commercial break. We come back. We're with Alden, Kelly, and Adam walking down a road basically. And Mary is close behind them. Adam is crying. Mary offers to help, but Alden is totally hostile to her and says she can't help. Uh, she suggests rubbing his head and making shushing noises in his ear, which doesn't work for Alden. So ultimately he relents. He hands the baby to Mary and the baby immediately settles down as soon as she takes it. Yeah. It's because she's not as stressed out as Alden. I guess so. She doesn't squeeze him quite as hard, maybe. Yeah, he's yeah he's holding that sack of potatoes like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, now, later on, this same group, they're resting. Mary's still holding the baby, and Alden asks about her sister's name, to which she tells him it's Francis, and says that she should be the one still alive, not her. Right? Mary feels pretty guilty about all that stuff. Then she senses something in the woods and they have to move quickly. They encounter some zombies. They try to run away. Um, they come to an abandoned van in the forest, struggle to get the door open a whole bunch. They do just in time. Alden, Kelly, and the baby get in, but Mary closes the door to fight off the zombies and lead them away. So I thought Mary was going to herd them away. Well, she didn't have her mask on, right? So she can't be a whisperer at that moment. She has to just be a real living human. I guess so. I thought maybe she'd be able to figure that out. You know, gormiflage or, yeah. you know, steal somebody else's face or something. I don't know how that would work. But uh, I I honestly thought that she would use her whisperer skills to uh, to drag these people away, but or these zombies away, but she just used her, her, her screaminess. Yeah. So she screams, gets their attention. Uh, she fights back, or, or she, she does kill a bunch, and when she thinks she's done, she looks up at the sky. Right, that's the other part. <laughs> this is the other moment. And I'm like, don't look up, that's when people sneak up on you. <laughs> right, and that's exactly what happens, because stealth beta comes out of nowhere and stabs her in the abdomen. Yeah. Uh, she fights back a little and ends up tearing off half of his mask, which is fun because this is the first time Beta's ever had his mask off on the show. Yeah. And his face was not disfigured from what we could see. No, it was not disfigured. It was just a normal face under there. But in response, he wrenches the knife deeper in and kills her. So yep. uh, Gamma slash Mary dead. Just totally unexpected. 
Yep. I would, yeah, I really was not expecting her to die in this episode. No, neither was I. I thought she was going to be around for much longer on the show. But Beta lays her body against a tree. He goes to retrieve his half mask from the ground. And then another whisperer shows up, recognizes him, uh-huh. says his voice sounded familiar, uh, and Beta kills them, kills him. Yeah, so this was uh, very, very interesting. So this is a thing. So if you recall, we talked about this, Jason, about there was this theory going around that Beta was, you know, pre-apocalypse, some sort of known famous person. Yeah. Yes, I remember. And this confirms that. So Beta is somebody and this other whisper recognized him. It also confirms the theory that... Um, in Fear the Walking Dead, when Daniel dropped all those records and one of them had a guy on the cover that looked just like the actor that played Beta, in fact, that was an actual crossover tie-in and he was a musician pre-apocalypse, a famous country musician. Okay, so we, like, when was that confirmed? I'm pretty sure the producers, like Scott Gimple, came out and said it, but even if he hadn't, this is the idea. Like it's the same guy on the album cover that plays beta. And so it's, it's just kind of accepted now that that's what he was doing before the apocalypse country musician. So he's a country music star. Yes. That's awesome. That's right. Um, in the comics, beta was a football player, a famous football player before the apocalypse. So there is, you know, source material for this. They just changed the nature of his fame. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I like it better as a, uh, I like it better as a country music star than a football player. Yeah, me too. I kind of like it. Um, but Paul in England wrote, holy crap, that whisperer recognized Ryan Hurst. He must be a Sons of Anarchy fan. Ah, <laughs> uh, he was, Opie was such a good character. He was the best part of that show. Was he? I, right. I've seen all of Sons of Anarchy and it was pretty, well, there was a lot to really like about that show. Charlie Hunnam was not one of them. Oh. But the rest of the cast was solid, and uh, there was a lot to like about that show. Uh, and Opie, which is the character he played, was one of my favorites. And I've seen him in other stuff before. Uh, I'm a little surprised that I didn't recognize him as Beta to start off with. It took me a while to clue in on this, but uh, this actor, I really like this actor. Yeah, well, he's a country music star, and now that's that's out there, so we'll see if anything comes up of it. Yep. Uh, later on... Mary starts to reanimate, leaning against that tree, and she gets up. She approaches Beta, and it's not clear to me whether she's approaching him just as a zombie friend or I want to eat you kind of thing. But just as she gets to him, an arrow comes out of nowhere, gets her straight in the forehead. Beta turns around to look, doesn't see anyone, so he flees. And we find out that Alden shot the arrow, and uh, him and Kelly and the baby are looking on. Why didn't they, uh, did he miss? I, am I assuming, am I to assume that he was shooting at Beta and missed? I, I like to make that assumption too, because there's no good reason for him to shoot Mary instead of Beta. Well, other than she was a friend at this last point and saved them all and she wanted to, uh, he, he wanted to prevent her from, you know, walking the earth as a zombie for years and years and years until she decayed. You know what? I think you got time for that. I mean... Yeah, exactly. You know, use that as your second shot. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I have to assume, like, we know, uh, what's his name was shooting at Daryl when he got uh, 
Dr. Denise in the eye. That's right. So it happens, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I, I have to assume. I have to assume he was shooting at Beta. I but have to Beta's assume Beta's got that too. the, uh, uh, you can't kill me now until you know the plot demands it. Right. Shield. Right. Exactly. So Alden just missed. Um, but in the end of the day, he put down Mary, who now, as you said, doesn't have to roam the earth forever as a zombie. So um, Thora Birch, Gamma, Mary, gone from the show, dead. Yep. Crazy. Bye-bye. After a commercial break, we come back and Carol is collecting some water, it looks like, but she's with Eugene, who's fiddling around with his radio parts and obviously kind of distressed. Uh, Magna and Yumiko are also there and they're talking. It's their reunion, basically. And Magna explains that she got out of the exploded mine basically by joining the Horde. Her and Connie sort of just got mixed into it. And um, she lost Connie in all the commotions. So Connie's still out there somewhere, hopefully. But Magna made it out. That's why she was wandering around with the zombie Horde. If you can't beat him, join him. If you can't beat him, join him. That's right. And it's lucky she didn't get killed because she followed that that horde all the way to this battle. Mm-hmm. And she walked through, uh, you know, that field of killing things and uh, through the, the brambles and over multiple dead bodies yeah. and through the burning gates. And uh, not only did she survive all of that, but then she got successfully recognized as a friend and alive. Yep. Uh, and then uh, reunited, and, and everything's fine now. It, Boy, that, there's a lot of luck involved in this. It is lucky. I will definitely give you that. But I also feel like it's a clever and pretty satisfying explanation for her escape from the cave and return to the group, to be honest. Yeah. And it has the added bonus of, we didn't have to see any of that. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> we didn't have to see any of that. We never had to go back underground. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. It's, it's very good. It's too bad that Connie isn't with her. And I'm sort of bummed that basically they've written Connie off the show because she has another show to do now. But, you know, she's not maybe gone forever. And I do hope she comes back at some point. Well, yeah. Why kill her off, you know, explicitly when they can bring her back in a, in a year? Yeah. 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 When her other show gets canceled. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> shows get shit canned all the time. Yeah. All the time. Exactly. Uh, anyways, Carol was listening to their conversation. She starts to walk away and Yumiko is really angry and accuses Carol of, of, you know, leaving them behind. She blames Carol for all this, punches her hard in the face and, uh, you know, sort of takes out her aggression there. Magna isn't interested in fighting or arguing anymore. And she says that Yumiko was right for kicking her out. And they kind of joke now about pillow stealing and snoring and stuff like that. And the two of them seem to be okay again. Yeah. And, and I learned that Carol can take a punch. She really can. Cause that was a hard punch. That was a hard punch. That would have killed a zombie. It would have, it would have, your fist would have gone right through their skull. Yeah. But not yeah, Carol. Carol didn't even, it didn't even break the skin. There was no bleeding, bruising, nothing. No. Well, not yet. Anyway. Uh, we go, Carol's now sitting alone uh, on a log, a walker under some leaves right at her feet starts to stir and reach up. She knocks away its hand a couple of times. Uh, we find Eugene standing there watching and then Carol finally kills it, stabbing it in the head. Um, that was funny. It, it kind of was, but it, I thought for a split second 
they were going for something similar to what happened to Carol in the comics, if you remember all those years ago. Um, not really going to, you know, not really going to recreate that scene because it's very, very different in the comics, but almost sort of like just, you know, reference it a little bit. Um, and I guess I don't need to get into details because anyone who's read the comics probably knows what I'm talking about, but just the way she batted the way the hand a little and didn't immediately kill it. I thought, Oh, and of course the mindset that Carol's in right now. So, um, in any case, that's not really how it went. And she ends up killing him. I wonder if that's, that guy's name was Russell. Cause he was rustling in the leaves. Cause he was rustling in the leaves. Yeah. I guess we can I, call him that. And I was teaching my son about wrestling. Oh. And leaves today. <laughs> so that's why I thought, oh, his name is Russell. It must be Russell the zombie. Uh, Carol and Eugene are talking and she talks about going after something with everything she has, including pissing people off, maybe getting them killed, and yet have nothing to show for it. And uh, Eugene goes, goes on to explain his situation and the meeting that he has with Stephanie. So he does understand, but because now he can no longer attend that meeting because of everything that's gone on. Um, so fucking self-centered. It's like we got, we lost the hilltop. People are scattered to the wind. Other people have died, but damn it. I've got this blind date that I really want to go to. Well, wait a minute. Carol, Carol is talking, I think about going after alpha, right? She got everyone into trouble because she was so obsessed with going after and getting alpha and killing her. Right. But now none of that's worked out. People have died. They've lost everything yeah. and she has nothing to show for it. Right. And, and yes, Eugene is saying, I, you know, met this woman, I'm supposed to meet her, but now I can't because everything burned down. At least he's not saying, you know, I'm going to go do it anyway. Yeah. He's just, uh, you know, Carol's pouring her heart out about all this shit that she's going through. She just got punched in the face. He goes over there, uh, you know, saying, you know, you just got clocked. I'm, I need to, I wanted to check on you. And she pours out his, uh, all her problems uh, to him. And the first thing he says was, I, you know, I got this girl that I got to go meet. Yeah, I know. I know. What you're... It's a little self-centered. It's like, not everything's about you, Eugene. I know what you mean, but I, I mean, he's trying to relate his own story to hers in a way, right? Yeah. That's not always the best idea. Oh, fair. Yeah. You know, when, when someone's trying to complain at you or, or, you know, talking about their, their issues and they're really struggling, you don't tell them your problems. You listen to their problems. Yeah, I know. I know. But on TV, you usually tell them your own problems. <laughs> yeah. Most people just wait while other people are talking until it's their turn to tell them mm -hmm. something about them. People are shitheads, including me. I do it all the time. Like I'm not immune to this no, crap. Nobody is. But I'm trying. I'm trying to be a good active listener. Good. But sometimes I just don't want to. Sometimes just not so much. <laughs> sometimes I want to talk about my shit. Sure. Well, in any case, Carol tells Eugene that uh, if the meeting's important, you go. And she says, just go to her, uh, which Eugene, I guess, decides to do. Anyways. Yep. He walks off and Carol notices something on the ground and it turns out it's Lydia's staff. So she picks that up, looks around nervously, and we cut to commercial. Coincidence. Yes. After the break, we are with a bigger group traveling through a clearing on their way to a rendezvous point. It's Daryl, Rosita, Jerry, Nabila, Diane, and a few more people. And Nabila mentions that 
it feels like it's still burning while Jerry's kind of helping her along. But then they never really come back to this. So what is she talking about, Jason? To me, it felt like, oh my God, is she bit and she has the fever and she's dying? They just walked through like seven acres of fire. She got burned. Okay. She got burned. All right. And and yes, when, uh, if you, I don't know, have you ever had like semi-severe burns, like second degree burns? No, luckily I have not. I've had second degree burns. I've had lots of uh, first degree burns as well, right? Where you burn yourself and you're running under cold water. And as soon as you take it away from the cold water, it starts to really hurt. Okay. Right. So, uh, the, the only right way to really combat that level of pain that I've experienced or the only way I've been able to combat that level of pain when I got second degree burns that time I dressed up as Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz and set myself on fire. Yep. I've told that story. You have. Uh, so the only way I was able to combat combat that level of pain from that uh, those burns was to just accept it. Like just instead of raging against the pain, just accept the fact that it was going to hurt like a son of a bitch. And I had to, I, my hand was, I had blisters all over my hand from where I burnt it. Uh, I had to, uh, I learned to love those burns. Because, <laughs> Sounds and that weird. was the only way I could, it sound, does sound weird, but, uh, I took care of them. I, you know, I, I bandaged them. I let them breathe. I took care of them and I have zero scars on my hands from, uh, from those second degree burns. Uh, but it's, it's serious and it hurts like a son of a bitch. Okay. Well, so I, I feel she dumb. She got burned. She didn't get, uh, she didn't get bit. I, I feel dumb for not realizing yet. Yeah. They just came out of like some place where everything was on fire, but I immediately went to, oh man, she must be, must've been bit and she's fevering and we're going to lose Nabila. But I guess it was the fire because they never really come back to it. At least not in this episode. So as they're going, they come to an old house. They kill one zombie that comes out. Daryl goes inside but finds nobody. Uh, Nabila now starts freaking about, freaking out about her babies, and of course because they can't find the children. So they spread out to search the area. At least that's what Daryl says. We cut over to Earl, who is with the kids in another house somewhere, and Judith asks about Ezekiel. Uh, to which he says, you know, he's okay, but Earl gives the kids some water, tells them they're all doing great. And then he goes into another room and we find out that Earl, in fact, has been bitten right on the mm-hmm. arm. Severely. Yeah. So he is not looking very good. He's clearly suffering, you know, on his last legs here. And uh, he hammers a big spike through the wooden table and then picks the table up so the spike is pointing straight up in the air. Judith comes in and says that he lied to them, and she offers to stay with him, but he says he's not alone. He has Tammy and his son, and uh, Earl tasks Judith with keeping the kids safe from him. So pretty sad. We all see what's about to happen here. Um, We quickly go outside to Jerry and Daryl, They find Ezekiel under some debris from the hilltop fence and he's alive and he knows that Earl has the kids. We go back into Earl inside. He prepares to smash his head down on this spike so he can try to kill himself before he turns into a zombie and does anything bad to the kids. And three, two, one, he does it. He hits himself. We hear a squelchy noise. We go to black and we have a commercial break. Okay, so... 
I thought that was cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I thought that was, uh, the whole thing was cool where, you, you know, you, you try and figure out a way to, uh, to sacrifice yourself or so you don't come back as a zombie and hurt these, these poor kids. Yep. Right. So that's, that's, that's one thing. Uh, but the spike through the table like that would not work for a couple of reasons. Well, because your head would push the spike back through the table is what you're saying? It would, but we know that everybody's heads in this universe are extremely soft. Yep. Except for Carol's jaw. Apparently that's <laughs> solid as a rock, but that's fine. Uh, but the, the spike, um, it's not shaped to, uh, to stay in a, in a position like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even the lightest of taps would have that thing fall through because uh, it made a hole the same size and shape uh, as the spike, yep. right? So, uh, you know, it would not work. Well, and to be fair, it doesn't work. Okay, but yeah. I mean, the only way to really do this is to go and borrow uh, Judith, her python. Like, can I borrow that for a minute? You can have it back minus a bullet in about five minutes. Yeah, but of course he doesn't want to... Um, he doesn't want to frighten the kids or, or even admit to them that this is about to happen. He's trying to... No, he just wants to abandon them without telling anybody what the hell's going on. Well, come on. He's trying to save them. He does... I mean, yes, to be fair, he only tells uh, Judith to take care of them because she walks in there, right? That could have been... I think that could have been written a little bit better. Maybe, Judith, come with me. I need to talk to you for a second. <laughs> Instead yeah. of just making it an accident, but... This is a really shitty world that they're living in. I'll grant you that. Yeah. And they just have gone through hell where their entire world has burned down Mm -hmm. because it's been years that they've lived here. All these kids grew up in that town. Their whole world has burned down and they're lost in the woods without their parents and they're stuck with this old guy. Uh, You know, sure, it's shitty, but tell them what's happening instead of just, you know, disappearing. And letting the kids fend for themselves, you know, at, at the very least, like you said, take Judith aside. She seems to be mature and, uh, tough and able to handle herself. So tell her, look, I got bit, uh, this is not going to end well, but I need you to step up. Yeah. You know, ultimately that's what happens, but I just, I, th- I think it was a very awful thing that he was doing just to kind of do this without telling anybody. No, I, I kind of agree with you there, but I, in general, this scene, I like it, it didn't really bother me all that much because there was a lot good about it too, including um, the guy who plays Earl is named John Finn. I was going to say including his performance because I thought he did an amazing job of portraying just the sadness of it all, right? And and yeah. what he was about to do to himself and felt he had no other option. And the way he mentioned, you know, he still has Tammy and his son. Um, and so he's not really alone or he's about to be no longer alone, kind of. I thought he did a great job. So all that distracted me enough from some of these, you know, shortcomings in the scene, which honestly I didn't really even think about until we were talking about it right here, right now, in a lot of ways. Right. Okay. So I, I think I think it was a pretty good scene. And it also was good for Judith, too, because earlier in the episode she almost killed well, I mean, she did kill she a, did. a human being, but she hesitated to deliver that final blow when she realized it wasn't actually a zombie. And now here she's put in a position where we don't quite know it yet, but she's going to have to kill, um, or she should have probably killed this living person, but she waits until it becomes a zombie. Right. Right. So sort of parallel scenes in a way. 
Um, anyways, Earl smashes his head down on this thing and we think he's dead because it really sounded like he got himself in the head with that spike. But, um, we go to a commercial break and come back to the kids sleeping. Judith goes back into the room to Earl, who appears to be dead. But as she gets close, suddenly he wakes up and he grabs her. Mm-hmm. So he is a zombie. Outside. He's going to kill her, right? Like, oh, yeah. You, you thought she was totally dead? Totally. I totally as... thought she was going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, outside, Daryl, Ezekiel, and Jerry approach. They find the kids alive and safe. And we find Judith inside sitting against the wall. Earl is dead on the floor, so she clearly uh, was able to get him in the head and kill him. Daryl realizes what happened here, takes her sword from her, sits down beside her, and no words are spoken. They just sit, and she leans her head down on him. I thought another really great scene. They didn't need to talk. They just needed to sit. Yeah, I agree. I really enjoyed that. Right? I think they did a really good job with, with, with all of this stuff with uh, Earl. So now, death number two of the episode, Earl Sutton, gone, dead. And yep. um, this is a, the body count is building up in this episode. Yeah, of actual speaking characters. Of actual speaking characters, that's right. We go over to Negan, who comes up to Alpha, and he says, I found what you're looking for, which is exciting. And then we see Lydia wake up tied to a chair somewhere inside and start struggling. Yeah, in the best possible uh, bondage situation that you can, you can ever be in. Why is that? Because uh, she was tied with multiple ropes to a rickety chair with, uh, they were all natural fiber ropes. Uh-huh. Okay, so first of all, rickety chair. We've all seen people get out of, uh, you know, ropes tied to a rickety chair. You just fall over sideways and break the chair. Right. Right. That's one way to do it. Uh, natural fiber ropes are extremely stretchy. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to keep somebody tied up uh, with natural fiber ropes because uh, they can, you can pull and struggle and stretch and... There's a lot you can do to, to get out of, uh, that kind of, you know, being tied up like that. And just loosen, loosen the knots by wriggling, right? Well, there's, there's ways to do that. You stretch things, you move, uh, uh, your wrists or your legs or what have you. Uh, If you're all bound up together, uh, with one rope, like it's around your neck Mm -hmm. and you have like, so that it's very difficult to get out of that kind of situation. But luckily both of her legs and both of her arms, everything was tied with a different rope. Yep. Right. So I, as soon as I saw that, and there was a lot of play, like as she was struggling around, everything was moving. The the ropes, the the bondage was moving, the chair was moving. I'm like, okay, she's totally getting out of this. You never leave somebody tied up like that with natural fiber ropes and not expect them to get get out of it. Okay. That's fair. (laughs) I knew she was getting out of it. Yeah. I mean, so did I, sort of. I hadn't entirely picked up on what was going on here yet, but it didn't take much longer. But anyways, Negan is leading Alpha to Lydia, we are led to believe. They're talking about stuff on the way, you know, she's saying walkers are beautiful, pure, etc. And Alpha tells Negan that he's proven himself once again. But then Negan suggests that Beta is no Alpha, and isn't it the Alpha's cub who takes her mother's place, sort of implying that um, Lydia would step up and take her place rather than Alpha killing her own daughter, which is what she wants to do. 
And Negan tells Alpha about losing his wife to cancer um, and, and that whole story, to which Alpha says he should be grateful because death set her free. And Negan says he didn't feel anything when she died. That is his strength. He's dead to this world, and that's why he can sort of get by in it. Um, and he accuses Alpha of pretending by saying emotions aren't real. And, you know, Negan it's, seems to almost get choked up here when talking about Alpha killing her own daughter, um, which I thought was interesting because we've never really seen Negan get that emotional before, although maybe a little bit when talking about his wife. Yeah. Right? And Alpha says the disease that killed his wife is what nature intended. So, I mean, they, I found this interesting because they're really, in, in a lot of ways, they're really on different pages here, you know? I mean, Negan actually understands the, the f bond of family and stuff like that and why it's important. And Alpha has a completely different take on it, even though she thinks, you know, family bonds are important, but it's just so opposite to what he's trying to say, I think. Yeah, some people have, uh, you know, their entire universe uh, that they, you know, their belief system and their the way they think and uh, everything. And uh, every once in a while you meet somebody whose universe does not intersect with yours. Yeah. And, you know, I've met a few people like that. It's like, you know, I have my belief system. I have whatever, what I, uh, I believe is a logical and consistent. And, uh, you know, I have emotional beliefs, I have spiritual beliefs, all of that stuff. And then I meet somebody and it's just like, you know, they would talk to me and I'd be like, I have no idea what you're saying. It's like, I, a, yeah, I can't comprehend your brain pattern. I don't understand you. I don't understand anything you're saying. And I try to explain myself and they don't get it. It's just like, no, we got nothing. Like yeah. there's no intersection here. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what's, what's kind of going on here. Although there probably is a couple of points of intersection, um, on their, uh, on their realities, but I can, I can, I can, I can get on board with, you know, to her, they both have feminine values, but they're so different. Yeah. You would think that there's some overlap in their worldviews a little bit, but it, it really in this scene, you get the feeling that there, there just isn't, or at least on the particular issues they're talking about. Right. So they are nearing the cabin where apparently Lydia is tied up to that chair. Negan says that Alpha still loves Lydia, and Alpha says that this is why she has to do this, because she loves her. Now, at this point, Alpha and Negan kiss, and she thanks him, I guess, for bringing him here. Alpha approaches the cabin with Negan right behind her. Okay, so I actually was expecting uh, Negan to take a swing at her uh, just as she turned towards the cabin. Mm -hmm. So I was a little surprised that when they cut to the shot of them walking towards the cabin, yep. that he was so far behind her. Yeah. He Cause lets... at this point I knew kind of what was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I was a little bit surprised that he didn't take advantage of, uh, her turning and heading towards the cabin before now, yeah. before that shot. I'm like, Whoa, what's going on here? Okay. Maybe my understanding of what's about to happen is not real. So I, I questioned myself. I had doubts. Oh, good. Well, what I haven't said is intercut in all this conversation and walking time with Negan and Alpha are scenes of Lydia struggling in the chair to get out and slowly getting herself free. So by this point in the conversation, Alpha is approaching the door to the cabin. Lydia is now 
freed herself inside the cabin. They go to opposite sides of the same door and open it, and they're going to face each other, right? Yeah. It was the same door. Like, they fucked with our, our heads more than they did in Silence of the Lambs. Like, that, in, in ultimately, they silenced of the lambs us. Silenced of, silence of the lambed us. Okay. <laughs> that they had two opposing uh, situations which were not actually congruous. Congruous. So, but this was the same door. Like, there's no doubt that they used the same door in both cabins. Okay. Fair. But I, by this time, I had figured out that Lydia was not in the same cabin that Alpha was walking up to. So we get shots back to back of Lydia opening the door to a wide open field with nobody standing there and Alpha opening the door to an empty cabin with nobody in it. Lydia's not in this same location. So Negan has taken her somewhere else. Yeah, I did not, I knew that I was looking at that door. I'm going, that's the same door. It's got to be the same cabin. So they fooled me, right? In retrospect, it was obvious, but they actually fooled me in this situation. I thought there was going to be a confrontation uh, between Lydia and Alpha at this door. Amazing. Well, I I mean, I I don't really feel fooled, but I didn't really figure out what was going on until close to the end of the conversation between Negan and Alpha when, you know, when they kiss basically, and then he lets her walk towards the store. I'm like, oh my God, Lydia's somewhere else. Because I didn't completely, I mean, I didn't understand Negan's, um, uh, Negan's plan here. Like, I didn't know. We don't know where his, uh, where his loyalties lie. Is he really with the Whisperers or is he doing something nefarious here? I didn't know. But at that point, when she starts walking up and Lydia gets free, I'm like, okay, I think I've got this figured out. Well, I knew what Negan was going to attempt to do. I didn't know that it was going to be successful, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And, and I did think that the, uh, the confrontation at the door between Lydia and Alpha was going to be Negan's chance, especially when I saw uh, him so far behind yeah. Alpha. Yeah. And I knew that he couldn't close that distance dramatically. Right. right. Because they were showing us. If if they weren't showing us Negan, we knew exactly what was going to happen. Because if the camera doesn't see it, then neither do the people in the show. Right. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's the rule. But we, the camera saw him. The camera knew where he was. Therefore, he was not close enough to do it. Well. He couldn't sneak up on her. Unless, of course, she looked at the sky and tried to either uh, rejoice in the light or and or try and figure out where she was. Yeah. Well. We see these two door, doors open. We realize that they're in different locations. Alpha turns around to Negan, and as she turns around to look at him, he slices her throat, grabs her, lowers her to the ground, kissing her as he does. Because why not? Because why not? Uh, Alpha quickly bleeds out and dies. Third major character death of the episode. This is the best thing The Walking Dead has ever shown me. Like the t- my TV has shown me some pretty awesome things uh, in my life. Yep. But this was my favorite moment of The Walking Dead, hands down, ever. That is amazing and quite a bold statement after 10 years of TV. I didn't think Negan was going to be uh, successful. 
Yeah. I didn't, I think he was, I thought he was going to take a swing at her, but that she would, uh, we were too far away from the end of the season for it to be a successful attempt in my mind. And we already had two, uh, character deaths in this, uh, in this episode. So I was surprised. Mm -hmm. I was shocked. I was delighted. That's great. That's amazing. And then the, and then the next scene is, uh, is second best. <laughs> so the final scene of the episode, we cut immediately to Negan carrying a bloody sack. He drops it down, outrolls Alpha's zombified head, and it rolls up to somebody else's feet. The camera pans up the body of this person. It turns out it's Carol. She looks up at Negan and says, took you long enough. Yeah. And we end the episode. So this whole thing, Carol was, was Carol's plan. She let Negan out. She told him to go infiltrate the Whisperers, kill, kill Alpha and get it done. I don't think she probably said, bring her, you know, bring her head to me, but maybe she did. But this ties everything together so well. It was one of the most satisfying, you're right, one of the most satisfying episodes this show has ever, or um, moments this show has ever done. And yeah. this to me was one of the best episodes they've done in years. This moment was the second best moment that The Walking Dead has ever shown me. Immediately had, after the best immediately one. Immediately after the first, yeah. <laughs> so, and the first one had the added bonus of Alpha no longer being a character in the show. Yep. Because I was not happy with the Alpha character from the get-go, so now that, that ended, so that was why that one kind of ekes out this one just by a little bit. But absolutely uh, a very good episode overall, and the ending was super solid. Like basically they started with the best battle scene pretty much we've ever seen on this show. They, and they ended with one of the most surprising moments we've ever seen on the show and such a great, um, twist there with Carol at the end being the mastermind of it all. So good. So, so good. now we know who let Negan out of the cage. Right. Yeah. Like it, it explains so much. We know who let Negan out. We know, uh, we know why Carol didn't take a shot at Alpha mm -hmm. uh, when they were seeing each other across that cavern. She's like, well, I'm just going to let Negan deal with this. Yeah. We've already got a man on the inside doing that. And I mean. Which is exactly what Al Alpha did, right? Get a man on the inside and yeah. Carol like fucking twisted things around. Oh, it's genius. It's genius. so, so genius. Um, and, and I couldn't help but think, boy, did Negan. Like Negan has proven himself. He, 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 the lengths to which he went to earn her trust, if you know what I mean, and, yep. and then, and, and carry out this plan are pretty extensive. <laughs> you know, yeah. not only he didn't just infiltrate the enemy as a spy and, um, you know, just have to go through the, the things to earn trust. There are things he had to do you know, including sleep with her <laughs> to, to get all this done. It's pretty incredible. And well, sleeping with her wasn't his idea though. Right. Well, no, but like he went through with it. I mean, he, well he did, but he didn't really have a choice either way. He was not given, you know, a proper choice. Well, I so know. it's not that he did that in order to infiltrate it. I think that it was an added bonus, but, uh, overall <laughs> bonus, you know, sexual maybe. assault is never a bonus, but, uh, it helped him ultimately win Alpha's trust, but it wasn't part of his plan. It wasn't even something he did on the fly. No, but it's, it but it's, it would have been a moment where he could have 
um, given up on this plan or been like, this is too much. I can't do this anymore. But he didn't. He went to the extreme lengths necessary to carry this out and not go back on his word, basically. I think this- Okay, I think I'll, this, I'll grant you that. Right? This proves he is, he is now an Alexandrian or whatever you want to call him. Yeah, I think he's, he's proven himself to Carol. So she just has to, you know, let everybody else know what was going on. Yeah. And, and I'll grant you that, uh, you know, willing to go through with the, with the, with the sex with Alpha, uh, is, is a big commitment. Like I've gone into, I've been, you know, going into situations where I was pretty sure that this situation would, uh, end in some kind of romantic encounter. And so I got the fuck out of there because I didn't want that to happen. It's like, no, I can't, <laughs> I can't deal with this. I don't want that to happen. I'm bailing. <laughs> sure. Not Negan. He goes through with it, baby. He goes through with it. You know, I wasn't trying to infiltrate any kind of uh, secret organization or some kind of uh, organization. It was it was more of a, a third date type situation, but I knew that that third date was like, oh, she wants me to come over to her place for dinner. You know, I, I don't feel that spark. I don't think I'm going to do it. I can't do it. So I canceled. Okay. Well, I, Negan didn't cancel. He did it. He went over for dinner. and nope, uh he did not cancel. Kept it going, so. Yeah. Holy moly. Um, Aiden from Pre-Apocalypse London writes, holy crap, the whole episode, best episode ever, which I don't know if I disagree with. Caden in Alberta writes, holy crap, the whole scene between Negan and Alpha at the end was amazing. It was a very tense and thrilling moment. The whole scene up to Alpha's death was heart-pounding. The actors did a fantastic job. Plus, Negan's talk to Alpha was almost line for line what it was in the comic. That was a nice touch. So there's that. Wait, that happened in the comic? Yeah, more or less. Okay, I didn't know that. Well, I know, because you haven't read that part. No, I didn't read that part. That being said, I, I don't remember the comics as well as maybe I should, and um, I didn't really see this coming. So I'm glad that the comics are no longer spoiling me on the show. Justine in NorCal wrote, I so needed Negan to kill Alpha this week, and I loved finding out that he did it for Carol because she let him out. As our real world falls to pieces, I needed to have something cool happen on The Walking Dead. Last week's episode had me feeling really depressed, so it was so awesome to finally see Negan do what I've been waiting for. Yeah. Very good stuff. Um, by the way, I just included a few uh, regular kind of feedback messages here at the end because I thought it was a big deal and we aren't going to be able to do a full feedback episode this week. Um, so there's a couple more. Jennifer in Minneapolis wrote, Ding dong, the witch is dead. I'm so happy. What an amazing ending to an amazing episode. Negan slitting Alpha's throat a la Rick Grimes was the epic death I was wishing for. And the reveal of Carol having released Negan, genius. I've been a Carol fan for a long time but she is now my goddamned hero. <laughs> I think Carol's still my, my, you know, it's, it, she was my favorite character in the show for a long time. And it kind of waned there for a little while when she was doing the pretend, uh, the pretend Carol. Where right. She's like, I don't know what's going on here, but it's wonderful. Uh, that kind of bullshit. I mean, that was funny too though, but yeah. Yeah. But it kind of bugged me a little bit, sure. but uh, this, this Carol, you know, I like this Carol. I want this Carol. I want, I want every episode to be the Carol where she can take a punch. Yeah. Well, she certainly can. And now she's conniving, planning Carol to tactical Carol. So it's, it's very, very cool. Um, I was going to say that, uh, Jennifer makes a good point that Rick Grimes remembers slit Negan's throat. 
and now Negan slits Alpha's throat. It's a little uh, sort of parallel a little bit there, I think. All right. Sort of. <laughs> a lot of throat slitting anyways. Uh, maybe just Negan learned that move from Rick. Something like that. Well, you think you'd do it better, right? Because obviously it didn't work on him. No, it didn't work on him. That's right. So, so he, he did uh, it better. You know, he's, he sliced it and sliced her and then maybe it was the kiss that, that was, you know, it's, it's because Rick didn't kiss Negan. Oh, right, right. Kiss, kiss the, <laughs> kiss the person as they're going down and yeah, kiss a death. Slicing somebody's throat will get you almost all the way there, but that, uh, that kiss at the end will take it over the top. Seals it. Right. Okay. Well, it's the kiss. That's good to know. Good to remember. <laughs> uh, finally, Scooter in Texas wrote, I just wanted to write in and express how happy I am that Carol finally got to see her master sleep with the enemy, then kill them plan come to fruition. I'm sure she's been waiting for another shot at this ever since she urged Andrea to take out the governor in the, a similar way back in season three. Well, it took seven more seasons, but the praying mantis strategy finally worked. Cool. <laughs> I guess so. All right. Well, that is that, everyone. An incredible episode of The Walking Dead. So many surprises, so many character deaths, all of them, I thought, pretty meaningful in the grand scheme. I am bummed to see Mary go because I was just sort of getting interested in what was going on with her. But at the same time, it was uh, a good sort of death and end to her character. It's too bad Earl was gone. You know, we didn't really get to see too much of Earl, but he was around long enough that you felt like you knew him a little bit. And John Finn, what a great job, I thought, in his final scenes. And then Alpha, who... You know, you just, you hate so much, you want to die. And it was one of those things where I'm like, you know what? She was killed. And sometimes you feel like, oh yeah, we wanted her to die, but I still kind of feel bad. I actually didn't feel that bad. I was, I was feeling this is, this is great. This is the best thing the show has done in a while. And I'm yep. so curious to see where it's going to go now. I'm glad that, uh, Alpha's head was a zombified head presented to Carol. Because she was so upset that her son's head was on that, that pike, yeah, uh, as a zombie, as a zombie head. So this was uh, it was perfect symmetry, and probably was exactly what Carol had asked for. Bring me her head. Yeah, bring me her head. Is her head gonna play a role at all? Like, is Carol? Oh gonna, God, I hope so. Is Carol gonna carry the zombified head around now, or? Are they Put just it in a gonna... fish tank. I, you know, anything she wants to do with that head, I'm on board with. Totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep it in a sack, put it in her backpack, carry it around, talk to it, uh, you know, uh, you know, get out her problems and frustrations yep. on this zombified head, because obviously Eugene's useless uh, in that regard. So maybe <laughs> a Eugene. zombified alpha head will do the job. All right. Well, maybe it will. Make friends maybe with she it. she could use it to, you know, uh, cut up potatoes or something because it's just chomping right so you just kind of get it to chomp and stuff you <laughs> yeah could, you could use that as a as a kitchen kitchen aid yeah pre-chew my food for me would you come on <laughs> yeah well, here i am chewing my own food like a chump yeah I, what on. i need is a, a zombie head to do it for me amazing you think you think that would be yeah it'd probably get like gross stuff in there right? uh, a little uns like, unsanitary well, you, you'd have to brush their teeth <laughs> i think maybe if you brush their teeth on a regular basis got them all cleaned up Right. This is getting weird. I'm going to stop. So weird. Anyways, amazing episode. I hope everyone else liked it uh, as much as we did. 
And uh, where do we go from here? I mean, I think we're going to jump into the Michonne storyline now for a couple of episodes and then come back to everybody here, which now they only have Alexandria to live in, right? Because the other two communities are gone um, and everyone's going to move back into Alexandria. And I think after we resolve everything with Michonne, we are going to be pushed into the next main storyline, which will be kicked off with this meeting between Eugene and Mystery Stephanie. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's where we're going to go after, you know, Michonne is wrapped up and we're looking to the future a little bit more. So, God, I think uh, I think the show's back on track, Jason. I'm looking forward to everything. I'm very excited for the next few episodes and the rest of this season. Yep. Good work, Greg. Tarot. It was a good one. <laughs> and everybody involved. They all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's not a one man show, but. No. But. Yeah. Keep it up. Everybody keep it up. Good stuff. All right. Uh, so the next episode of The Walking Dead is coming up this Sunday. We will do our best to get back to the regular schedule for this one, which means that next Tuesday we'll record our recap episode and then Thursday we'll do a feedback show. So um, you can look forward to that. And uh, speaking of feedback, if you want to get in touch, here are all the best ways to do it. You can visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com, click on Send Voicemail at the top, which allows you to record a message into your computer that will send straight to us. You can also just record yourself with, say, a voice memo app on your phone or something like that and email that to us. That is a really good way to do it and usually gets the best quality. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or send all your emails to talking at gmail.com. So we will collect those all and, you know, read them and do feedback after we recap the next episode. So look forward to that. All right. Um, I guess uh, next time we're going to learn more about where Michonne's been, what she's been doing, and that'll be fun. So until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.